John 10, 22. Listen then for the voice of God. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe, because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. The word of the Lord. A philosophy professor uh, went for a walk with his son who was studying for his bar mitzvah. So the father expected a conversation about the traditions, the faith, and the impending party. But instead, his 13-year-old son announced that he didn't believe in God. And the father asked how he came to this decision. And the boy responded, if God was real, he wouldn't let all those people die. If God was real, he wouldn't let all those people die. The boy's answer was against the backdrop of a pandemic that's credited with one million deaths in the United States and the slaughter of civilians in Ukraine. The boy went on. God is supposed to care about us. That doesn't seem like something you'd, you'd let happen if you cared. You'd stop it. Now, the professor father tells of this exchange in writing about a variety of proofs for the existence of God. But the boy's question has a timeless human quality. If God is real, wouldn't God put an end to human suffering? If God is all-powerful and all-loving, wouldn't God intervene when cancer invades, when war breaks out, when Alzheimer's breaks through, when sexual abuse happens or another senseless shooting? If God is real, why is life so often chaotic and cruel? Is God real? It's an ancient question, and it's not far from what is asked of Jesus 
in our text. So I don't know if I'll answer that question, but I'll deal with this text. Because consider, Jesus was walking in winter on the porch of Solomon's temple. He may have simply been staying out of the cold. The colonnade faced the east. There's this massive protective wall to the west. So sometimes teachers walked as they taught in order to stay warm. But it's also the setting where kings would hand down judgments about issues of justice. Think of it as the steps of the Supreme Court building. Jesus was walking in winter on the porch of Solomon's temple during Hanukkah, the festival celebrating the rededication of the temple. When fellow Jews stopped him in his tracks, encircled him, and asked if he was the Messiah, on the steps of the temple, they wanted an answer. Seriously, Jesus, put up or shut up. Will justice come from your hand? Are you the Messiah? Are you real? Now, the Gospel of John includes seven I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the vine, you are the branches, et cetera, et cetera. Seven I am statements. So this would seem like the perfect opportunity to proclaim number eight. I am the Messiah. But, but Jesus doesn't speak that word or claim that title. Rather, he says in effect, look, I've been telling you who I am. Everything I've been doing is a window into who God is and who I am. My followers know this. They know me, I know them, they follow me. That's a coy little, that's a coy little sidestep. Jesus doesn't say that he is the Messiah, but he doesn't say that he isn't. He says that having to ask is evidence that you haven't been paying attention or, you're just, or you just don't get it. And truth be told, that's not much of an answer for one wondering about the existence of God. But then he says this. You're still with me on this. Makes you nervous. But you're still with me on this. Because then he says this. And this is a translation by a New Testament Greek scholar. It says this, I'm giving them, his followers, I'm giving them, in turn, deep 
lasting life. And they will never perish. No one will ever snatch these people out of my grip. The people my Father gave me are greater than all other things on earth. And no one will ever snatch that people out of my Father's grip. Three times, buried in those few lines, Jesus says that his followers will never slip from the security of his grip. He has hold of them. God has hold of them. So in response to being asked, are you the Messiah? Are you real? Jesus says that the people God has given them given him are ultimately and eternally secure in him. Dear friends, you are ultimately and eternally secure in God's grip. You are ultimately and eternally secure in God's grip. The Reformed tradition calls this the perseverance or preservation of the saints. To paraphrase Article 8 of the fifth main point of doctrine, in the 404-year-old canons of Dort, more than just a college, also a canon, (laughs) to paraphrase Article 8 of the fifth point, if it were up to us, If it were up to our merits, our strength, our faith, and our grip, we would fall away. But it's not up to us. It's up to God. And God's counsel can't be changed. God's promises can't fail. God's purposes can't be revoked. God's work can't be rendered ineffectual. God's grip can't be loosed. Thanks be to God. Because when corralled on Solomon's porch and asked about being the Messiah, Jesus said he'd never lose his people. Now, that is an odd and obtuse answer. It's not what they wanted or expected to hear. In fact, when he followed it up by saying he and God are one, they pick up stones to kill him. This this has been echoing in my mind for a couple weeks now. Canadian singer-songwriter Kathleen Edwards while going through a divorce from her guitar player husband, wrote a song that has this refrain. Seriously, I almost called Aaron this week and said, can you learn this song? But it has this refrain. I'm looking for a soft place to land, the forest floor, the palm of your hand. I'm looking for a soft place to land, the forest floor, the palm of your hand. That's a haunting and beautiful line. When everything is falling apart, 
when evil has broken through, when we feel lost, we want the security of the earth beneath our feet to be and to be gently and unfailingly held in the palm of God's hand. Kathleen Edwards, Canadian singer-songwriter, taps into this deep human longing for something unshakable and unassailable. God. Something that will prevail against all the hell this world can throw our way. God. A soft place to land. God. So look, Jesus doesn't really give an answer here about the existence of God in light of the problem of suffering. He doesn't explain or excuse or rightly ex- or exclude the terrors of this world. Rightly, we ask the question. Rightly, we shake our fist and cry out, why? Rightly, we're angry. And quite frankly, evidence for the existence of God doesn't mean an explanation for the pain and suffering in the world. To credit God's existence to a plan or a purpose for, human, for humanity's ills is to run roughshod over the reality of human suffering. And in fact, the philosopher father and his son land on that they will live as if God exists, and I quote, as if. They will live as if God exists. As the boy says, I think that the for real God is pretend, and the pretend God is for real. He clarifies, God isn't real, but when we pretend, he is. Oh, that's a, that's a confused face. <laughs> but, dear friends, the Gospel of John proclaims that before his hands were nailed to a tree, before his hands were cold and rigid in the grave, before he opened his wound-resurrected hands to his disciples, Jesus promised that no matter what our experience, he will never let us slip through the palm of his hands. That's not a statement of proof, but a profession of faith. That's not evidence demanding a verdict, but an existential reality. And that's more than play and pretend. One last thing. Kathleen Dean Moore, in a book, uh, Great Tide Rising, writes about how life returns 
after areas are destroyed by things like volcanic eruptions. And she recounts that scientists have discovered pockets under rocks and in the lee side of trees, the backside of trees, where little bits of life survive. And then from these places called refugia, new life emerges, takes root, and spreads out. I like that idea. You've heard, you may have heard me talk about it before. In the face of the hard and the harsh, when we're trampled by life, when we feel destroyed, there's refugia. There are pockets of refuge and hope. There is life-giving shelter. There are places of resurrection. Deborah Reenstra puts it this way. I know from the broad sweep of scripture and from history and from my own experience that God is always at work somehow and that God loves to work in small, humble hidden places. The more I think about it, the more I realize that God loves refugia. The refugia model calls us to look for the seed of life where we are. Concentrate on protecting and nurturing a few good things. Let that let what is good and beautiful grow and connect and spread. Trust God's work. So dear friends, you are ultimately and eternally secure in God. What we long for are tangible expressions of that reality. We want to know that we're in the palm of God's hand. We, we want to know that God and his grip are real. We, we want to know refugia. I think that's a wonderful image for our calling as Hope Church. May hope be a community of refugia that embodies the grip of God's hand. May we be a little pocket of resurrection life that stands with and for those who are beat down and beat up. May we be defined not by dogmatic certainty, but by a deep trust in the unshakable and unassailable grip of God. And in that confidence, may our little corner of creation, this little corner, may our little corner of creation offer shelter where people can rest and grow and flourish. May each of us be an expression of the hand of God until the very hand of God will wipe away every tear from our eyes 
and we will be secure in the city of God where there will be no more brokenness or death or tears or evil or pain. You are ultimately and eternally secure in the grip of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.